Thank you for listening to the Pentecostals of West Houston podcast, where we are spirit-filled and spirit-led. Join us live at POWH.org. I don't know if you heard me, but in the Old Testament, they had what they called a wave offering, a heave offering. Pick it up, wave it before the Lord. While you're waving, wave goodbye to 2019 and say hello to 2020. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What a God. 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 We are going into a season of ministry. I'm going to talk about that season tonight. It's 9:16. I told Brother Tuluxon just a moment ago. It's not very often that I get to look up at the clock and it's 10 o'clock and I'm preaching at night. I want to give everybody, if the Lord will help me tonight, I want to give everybody a tremendous jolt of energy and hope. I feel something strong in my spirit tonight. In fact, it, it, it's something like I've never felt before. And I, I can say that quite honestly. I don't know if I've ever felt anything like I have felt over the past few days directed toward the will of God for this church, concerning this church. Asking you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're going to read verse 1, and I want to welcome all of our guests. Isn't there a good crowd here for a Tuesday night tonight? We have a lot of friends and guests that are here tonight with us that would much rather do -si do with Jesus than they would the devil, and for that I don't blame you. Um, we, are, we are glad that you are here in the house of the Lord and we welcome you to what we consider to be one of the most friendliest churches in Houston, Texas and one of the most power-packed churches in Houston, Texas. And uh, hopefully before you leave here tonight, you'll discover that to be a truth. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 1. But of the times, I want to give you the Greek transliteration of that word times. There is chronos. Chronos, that's where we are chronoi. That's where we get our word chronological. Chronological. If you look at your arm, you have a watch that is a chronological timepiece. That means tomorrow, February is going to follow January. That means that two is going to follow one. That means that tick-tock time on your wrist, that timepiece on your arm can track chronological time. But he said, of the times and the seasons. Seasons there is the Greek word kairoi. Totally different than chronoi or krinoi or chronos, kairos. Listen to this. It means a divine season of honor and favor that is inserted into chronological time. So we could just as well say it's God's time. 
we could just as well say it's God's season. We would not be indicative to the scripture to say it would be God's choice. In other words, God can step into time, chronological time. You need to get this. God can step into chronological time anytime. Anytime that he wants to step into it. He can step into it and adjust it. Listen to this and adjust it backward or forward. And insert it any place he wants to insert it. Now, take those two words of the times and of the season. God can give you a chiroi, a divinely inspired interruption slipped into time that changes everything. You feeling this? But the more I talk about this and the more that I think about this, the more I ponder about it, the more I prayed about it this week. You, you always know certain things, but there's certain things that you don't know. In other words, you don't know how needy you are sometimes until you look at your present in comparison to your past. And then you suddenly have an epiphany. And you know and you do realize that weight does not come off in pounds, it comes off in ounces. Sorry to tell you that for your New Year's resolution, but it don't happen in pounds. It happens in ounces. And it's gradualism. A lot of times we don't know how desperately hungry we are for the presence of God, how really hungry we are until we're in it. And then once we get in it, we realize, my God, how did I survive at the place that I was at? I don't even understand how I survived. How many has ever been there? You got in the presence of God, and then once you got into the presence of God, you wonder how you survived before that time. And God, don't miss this before I get into my, my, my subject tonight. God is visiting his people when there is attention showed to important things. Are you tired? Do you need to sit down right now? Okay, sit down then. You may be seated. I talked to a pastor friend of mine who is not with the organization that I am affiliated with, but I have known him for years. In fact, I've known his dad for years, who has passed away. His dad was a man that was so kind to me as an evangelist when I was traveling. There was very few meetings that I went to, conferences, camp meetings, that he did not come by and shake my hand. And when he shook my hand, I walked away with a $100 bill in my hand and didn't even realize he had inserted that in there until after he had done it. Just very kind. 
and his son is pastoring a very thriving church and I had heard some years ago that they had experienced a season a season of revival that interested me not time but a season and I, I wanted to talk to him about it so I put in this week for a conversation with him and he was so gracious to get back with me and I said tell me about your revival season he said you know what he said and he called my name he said we had planned for revival we promoted it we sent it out in flyers we did everything that we know how knew how to do and it never did happen like it happened until that season came and he said I didn't realize it this was back in the late 1990s he said I did not realize it he said my dad had and my grandfather had pastored that church for many, many years. And he said, I didn't even realize that it was there. But he said, apparently there was a racist element that was in our church. And he said, we would get people from other ethnicities to come, but they would not stay. We'd come for a period of time, but they would not stay. It was just out of balance. It wasn't, wasn't quite right. And he said, interesting enough, I got a word from the Lord and I began to teach from the Bible about brokenness. And how to be broken before God. And God began to send an unbelievable revival as people began to be broken before him. Breaking off pride out of their life. Breaking off arrogance out of their life. Breaking off materialism out of their life. Whatever it was that was holding them down. And he said, as it began to break off of them, God began to sweep through that place. In an unbelievable revival, and it has maintained from that time since that time. It has kept that maintenance mode. This really doesn't matter. I just want to throw this in. Their campus is worth about $30 million. Right here in this church service this past Sunday morning, Brother Strange, you did a masterful job. The Lord used you tremendously last Sunday morning in our morning worship service. I began to make my way around during the altar call and I took a young man and I put him in my arms and I began to hold him as I felt to hold him and I began to talk to him and I, I began to speak into his life and as I hugged his neck all of a sudden it came on me and it was one of those thus saith the Lord. Something was transferred. Something happened. I, I cannot, I cannot, nor will I 
attempt to understand how all of that happens. I take zero credit for that, but it happened. Something transferred. And I felt something go into that young man's hands, and I told him this is going to operate through the gift of faith. But this year, in 2020, when your hands are laid on people's head, if you will exercise the gift of faith, God will automatically start filling people with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's going to happen this year. I'm talking about people that will become broken, so broken and so hungry that they began to yearn for a conversation with Jesus. Just a little, the old timers would say, just a little sit to with the Savior. Just a little talk with Jesus. I'll make it right. People get hungry. And the Lord shared with me something that I want to share with you tonight that I normally do not share, but the Lord showed me a vision here not too many weeks ago. And I, what I saw, I, I tried to explain it to our graphics team, and, and, and they put, put this into graphics. And you can go ahead and put it up there because this is the closest we could get to what I was seeing in the spirit world. Do we have that live feed? Did we ever get that live feed? I want them to see that live feed. In a vision, I saw North America as a man who would look at a globe in his library. The earth was spinning on its axis, and you know how you can see light zones and dark zones because there's different time zones in the world. It's already early this morning. I heard it had already, New Year's had already happened in the, in the Far East already, and uh, it hasn't even occurred here yet. So there's different time zones, and there's spaces of darkness in the world, and there's spaces of light because we're spinning on our axis, and I was watching the earth turn, and, and Jesus was watching the earth turn, and I saw as it was turning, the vision that I saw, I saw the United States, I saw North America. And in the moment I saw North America, it was full of light. But it was rotating on its axis, and it began to leave the light. And it began to move into that realm of darkness. And in that communication that you can only have in the spirit, I didn't say it verbally, but it was coming out of me. It was coming out of my spirit. I was saying, please, Jesus, don't, don't let it become dark in our nation. Please don't let it become dark in our nation. And I, I pled with him. I begged him. He spoke. He did speak to me, not audibly, but he spoke to me. And he said, I won't let it become dark because the prayers of many. And Jesus took his hand. Can you see it spinning? 
Jesus took his hand on that globe and turned it backwards. Kairos. Season. He turned it backwards and inserted into chronological time a divine unction of his spirit. And the globe began to turn on its axis in the opposite direction until the light was full again. But the spirit also cautioned me at the same time that the light was reappearing, that it was just going to be a season. And then the end was going to come. It wasn't going to last for a long time. There is a season that is coming. I know that chronological time says that time is passing and we're getting older. Can you believe this? I told somebody this the other day. I can legally order off of the Denny's menu this year. That just blows my mind. I'm almost insulted by it. The economy is doing better than it's done in decades. Our credit is better than it's ever been. How do you know that? Let me listen to this. Latest from the Gallup posters, America's spent over $1 trillion on Christmas this year. U.S. consumers tell Gallup posters they spent an average of $942 this year, more than 57 more dollars than last year. I said that to say that the government has its problems. And I know all of you know I'm watching the same news that you're watching. I'm listening to the same headlines that you're listening to. But I hear something, and God is saying there is a season that's coming. It's not chronological time. Get that out of your mind. It's not chronological time. It is a divine intervention. It is a season that is coming. And Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 4, But ye brethren, you are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are children of the light, and children of the day. We're not of the night. We're not of the darkness. People that are in darkness do not realize the season. But we must not, you hear me, we must not miss our season in 2020. Can this church hear me, P-O-W-H? We cannot miss our season in 2020. It's only going to be for a time. It's only going to be for a season. Turn around to tell somebody you can't afford to miss your season. Tell them there's good news and there's bad news. How many has ever heard those good news, bad news jokes? How many, how many has ever heard them before? Let me, let me lighten this up just a little bit. Some of them were macabre and some of them were sick, and, but somehow they were funny. Uh, the first one I remember, the doctor came into the hospital room. He said, I've made a terrible mistake. 
And uh, he was telling the patient, I made a terrible mistake. Instead of removing your gallbladder, I've removed both of your feet. He said, that's the bad news. The patient said, my God, what's, what's the good news? He said, the good news is the guy in the next room said he would buy all of your shoes. That's, that's good news and bad news. Anyway. So I've got some bad news and I got a whole lot of good news. I want to tell you some good news tonight. Bad news, it is possible to waste much time in our life and be unaware and miss our season. But the good news is that God can catch you up. And give you a season after it has been wasted in chronological time. God can step in and give you a Kairos time. And insert a divine blessing inside of chronological time. And catch you up to par. And catch you up to speed. And make up the difference in your life. Come on, somebody, get happy. We need to get happy going into 2020. Be of good cheer. Oh, you're feeling it. You're feeling it. Is there anybody in the Bible that this has ever happened to? I, I want to show you the news between the news. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 through 8. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Here it is that I preached unto you. You've received it, which you stand. You're also saved. If you keep and remember what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins. Everybody say repentance. According to the scripture, how that he was buried. Everybody say baptism. He rose again the third day, according to the scripture. Say Holy Ghost. And he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, and of the twelve. After that, he was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain until present, but some have fallen asleep. Some of them have already died, but some of them are yet still alive. And they can testify to what I'm saying. After that, he was seen of James, and then of all of the apostles. Last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, let me tell you just a few things about the history of the church and Paul's life. This is going to be an interesting story for the next few minutes because we're going to uncover some layers so that you can understand the scripture and you're going to enjoy learning what you're fixing to learn. When Jesus came to Bethlehem and was born, the apostle Paul was approximately the same age. Both of them was born, according to history, at 4 BCE. They both were the same age. Somewhere in the springtime of 4 BCE, 
Jesus Christ and the apostle Paul, which was Saul at the time, was born somewhere in that time, but they were on completely different paths. And Jesus grew up and Luke recorded in 2 and 52, he increased in wisdom and statue and in favor with God and men and eventually began his ministry and was as the Jewish custom at the age of 30 years old of age. At that time, he was also baptized, which was a part of the priesthood ceremonial cleansing ceremony. That's why he waited until he was 30 years old to be baptized of John the Baptist in the Jordan River. That was to fulfill the law. He said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. And for three and a half years, Jesus ministered around the region of Galilee and Judea and Syria and Jordan and all of those areas roughly covered around a 200 mile square radius area. And after three and a half years, Jesus was tried, listen to this, as a criminal. He was crucified on a cross. He died on that cross. He was taken down from that cross, buried in a borrowed tomb. And after three days and three nights, he was in that tomb. He was resurrected and then he was seen by over 500 witnesses. And then he ascended into the heaven and we await his glorious return to receive us unto himself in the air as he set it down on the throne of God as King of kings and Lord of lords and he rules over all. So that's where we are in chronos, chronoi, chronological time. That's where we are in chronological time. But while Jesus was ministering, Paul was on the opposite side of the law and the kingdom, and his name was Saul. He was born in a northeast town uh, uh, in, the, in, in, the, in the country of Cilicia, now would be modern-day Turkey, in the city of Tarsus. And Paul went to college and he was highly trained in Judaism and in Phariseeism, which was a sect of the Jews, a conservative religious sect, still remaining a Roman citizen. Because he was not born in Jerusalem, he was born in a Gentile nation. So he carried Roman citizenship, yet he was trained as a Jew, a, not only a Jew, but he was trained as a Pharisee, which was the highest of that law of that time and day, a theological, uh, trained by Gamal himself. He became a right-wing zealot, a right-wing politician in their religion, and he was extremely educated. He, his education, including sitting at the feet of Gamaliel. Listen to Acts 22 and 3, and just hang with me for a moment because we're going to take a ride here in just a moment in the Holy Ghost. I am a man which am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, which brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers and was zealous toward God 
as we all are this day. The most respected theologian of that day, but Saul was zealous. Saul was bitter. Saul was antagonistic. Saul was combative. Saul was confronting. And when his ministry thing of Jesus happened, Saul was on the other side of the kingdom. In fact, when the church was born in the upper room on the day of Pentecost and the church began to grow and expand, Paul was so, or Saul was so convinced that they were wrong that they should be stopped. They were at polar opposites. So he, because of his high stature in politics and religion, he also carried Roman citizenship. And the Romans had dominion over the land in that time. And Saul worked with the government authorities and did the most despicable thing that you can imagine. Saul actually saw to it that Christians like you, like me, were imprisoned, were tortured, were martyred because he was fully convinced that they were wrong and he was right. And he was missing time. Hang with me. Because this is from the Lord. Now, TikTok time is going on. Chronological time is going on. And Saul or Paul missed three and a half years of kingdom truth during Jesus' ministry. Though they were the same age, born at the same time, he missed three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. He never was reached by Jesus' ministry. He missed his ministry. He missed his crucifixion. He missed his resurrection. He missed the upper room baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so he wrote, uh, actually, he, he wrote throughout the whole time, he was actually taking a stand against the imprisoning and, and, and the persecution of those Jews. While Stephen, a deacon that was chosen by the church, a man that was noted as the first New Testament martyr, we know that he was a precious man. His name was Stephen. He was stoned to death for his faith in Christ. And Saul was the one that held the coats so that they can get loosened up, get their pitching arms going. Can't hold your coat and throw like you need to hold, throw, throw your rock. So let me hold your coat. By the way, the interpretation of the word Saul means little one. Or Paul, excuse me, the interpretation of Paul means little one. So this is where we get the fact that Saul or Paul, who was converted to Paul, was a man of short statue. 
He was called Little One. And the little man, the wee man, was holding the coats of the people that had the arms, the pitching arms, the ones that could throw the rocks. He said, let me hold your coat while you throw that big old rock and hit him right between the eyes and you kill him and I hold your coat while you do that. Here, I'll take that. Here, somebody hold my coat and saw this little short guy is holding these coats and he said, here, give them to me and I'll take, take that coat and you take that rock and you throw it hard and hit that guy right between the eyes. I don't throw rocks that well. I'm a little man. I don't throw them that well, but, but I can hold your coat. And Saul stood there and watched as they murdered Stephen in cold blood. Saul was on the wrong side of everything. But the church, something interesting had been going on in the church, and it happened right before the crucifixion of Jesus. And one of the disciples named Judas Iscariot denied that he ever knew Jesus and sold him for 30 pieces of silver. He betrayed him, and he was so demonized and overcome by spirits that he went out and hung himself. He committed suicide, and Peter, attempting to replace him, said to the eleven in Acts 1 23 and they appointed to Joseph called Borsabbas who was surnamed Justice and Matthias and it goes on to talk and they cast lots they put ballots out and they chose a man he was a good man he was a good man in other words they had an election and Matthias won the election. And what they did exploded a couple of young men's names by, and one of the young men's name was Matthias, and it seems like a nice young man, so let's put him in the running. So Matthias won the election and replaced Judas, but apparently that wasn't God's choice. Are you with me? Because Matthias, also being a good young man, was worthy of being chosen in an election, but that's the way in democracy, in the body of Christ, it doesn't always work. Because you don't know who to choose. Sometimes you think the goody good two shoes is the one that has the anointing that will fall upon them and God's got a soul in mind that he'll give a testimony to that you will not even begin to believe. So God says, Matthias, you're a good young man. But this is the point I want to make. You never heard another thing about Matthias after that election. You never will find that he went on to become an apostle. I don't know what he did in the church, but he never functioned as recorded in scripture as an apostle. God said, Matthias, God bless you, but I've got one that I have picked, and he whispered his name to the angels, and he told the angels, I'm gonna convert Saul, and I'm going to change his name to Paul. What does it take 
to convert a Saul to an Apostle Paul? I'm going to do something so dramatically. I'm going to cause him to reach the entire Gentile world. He's going to write two-thirds of the books of the New Testament himself. And the angels must have gasped and said, Saul? Saul is the one that the Christians feared the most in the Holy Land. Saul was a murderer by proxy. And Saul was on the wrong side of the kingdom because the only thing that he's ever known is what makes sense to the reasoning mind. And he thinks that he's highly educated. But I'm fixing to touch him with a chiroid explosion. And when I touch him, everything in his world is going to change. So Saul is walking along and he's actually got, listen to this, Brother Strange, he's got papers in his pockets. But they didn't come from the king. Saul is walking along with papers in his pocket. And he has a list of Christians on that list of papers that he's got in his pocket and he's riding along on his mule and he's feeling large and in charge i have a doctor's degree i have gamal's friendship i've got the government backing me i've got roman citizenship i'm not like these ignorant jews i have sophistication i have it all and all of a sudden the heavens open up and an explosion of lightning hit him right at the top of his head and knocked him off of his mule and laid him on the ground. And when he came to his conscious thoughts, he's laying in the middle of the road on his way to Damascus in Syria, and he cried out as a highly educated Jewish Pharisee, Who art thou, Elohim? Watch this. We insert the word Lord. But he cried out, Who art thou? Elohim. El meaning God. Elohim means God that rules all. He knew whatever knocked him off of that mule was the God that ruled everything. thou Elohim and the voice cried back from heaven and it said I am the Lord God that rules everything and I've got a name and my name is Jesus <laughs> Acts 26 15 you want to check me out and then Saul suddenly understood, I don't know where I've been or who I thought I was working for, but whoever I thought I was working for, I must have not been really working for them because whoever just now touched me hit me with a power that had to be Elohim. This had to be God. This had to be him. Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest, who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus, and you're on the wrong side of the kingdom. You have, watched me, you have wasted years. You have wasted ministry. 
You have missed my crucifixion. I hope you're listening to me right now. You have missed my resurrection. You have missed my teaching. You have missed my appearing to the other disciples. But I have chosen you to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And I'm going to turn your life around. Now, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to be alarmed. But you have been in the direct presence of God. You have been in the Shekinah. Now you're not going to be able to see, for no man has seen God at any time. And it's like somebody had taken toothpicks and put his eyes open so that they could not shut and the noonday sun shined down on it and began to bake his eyeballs until the Bible said that scales began to form on his eyes. The brightness of the light actually burned the cornea of his eyes in the direct presence of God and the Bible says it this way and immediately Acts 9 and 18 there fell from his eyes as if it had been scales that word scales is lepus and it means exactly what it sounds like it means it's actual scales that form on the eyes it's like sunburned skin it's just flaky his eyeballs were flaky they were baked he was blind he could not see it was like an eyeball that had been held open in his eyes stared at the noonday sun welded shut and he could not see and he said you go to a street called straight And there you're going to find a certain disciple named Ananias. And he'll baptize you and he'll, he'll lay his hands on you and your eyes will open up. And you will be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And that's exactly what happened. But this is my point. There was more that took place that day than his physical eyes that was opened up. Watch this. Don't miss it. He was blinded for three days. Three days he was in the dark. Now watch how God, watch this. What are we talking about? Kairos. God stepping into chronological time and inserting, either moving it backward or forward, catching it up catching it up to par, moving it how he likes to move it, inserting it where he wants to insert it at. He was blinded for three days. He was in the dark. Now watch how God retraces everything that Saul missed and gave him a makeup course. So Jesus was in the grave, in the tomb, in the dark for three days. And he converted him, and the Bible said that Ananias after he was converted after he was converted and the angel had already been talking to him 
And the angel of the Lord said, I'm about to send to your house. And I love the, the humor of Jesus and the way that things happened in the Bible. Poor Ananias, I don't blame him for shaking in his sandaled feet. He said, I'm sending you a new convert. He was excited about that until he said who it was. I'm sending you a new convert. You got a new, hey, listen, you got a new member in your care group. Are you hearing me? You got a new member in your care group. Really? Great. What's his name? Saul of Tarsus. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Send him to somebody else's care group. My care group is filled up. Don't send him to my house. Send him to somebody else's house. Watch the Lord in his humor. I've already given him your address. He's on his way. And he's going to be a part of your group. A humble servant named Ananias, a New Testament care group leader. Are you listening to me? Because the only thing outside the greatest thing that I find in Scripture that Ananias ever did was baptize, lay his hands on the Apostle Paul's head, cause the scales to fall from his eyes, and him receive the Holy Ghost. After that, I don't find anything else that Ananias did that was of notoriety. That was it. In Acts 9 11, the Lord threw this in. By the way, while you're shaking, can you throw up Acts 9 and 11? Look at that. Look at that last phrase. By the way, I not only blinded him, but I put him in the position, behold, he now prayeth. I not only, I not only blinded him, but he's praying. Don't you know that God can put people in positions that they'll start calling on his name? Don't you know that God can put people in your life and in your pathway, they'll start calling on his name? Behold, he prayeth, he prayeth. I not only blinded him, but I made a praying man out of him. So God now is going to take this apostle that's missed it all and give him a makeup course and catch him up to speed. So here's what's happening in the kingdom. The kingdom is marching along in Kairos anointing. It's marching along in chronological time. And Saul has an anointing it's on his life and he doesn't even know it. He's on the wrong side of everything. And when God knocked him off of the beast, he set him back in chronological time. Where have you been because the kingdom of God has already got several laps around you? So I'm going to watch me. I'm going to have to pick you up. I'm fixing to show you something. I'm fixing to have to pick you up and carry you and we're going to cut in line remember i can insert you in chronological time anywhere i want to insert you
We're going to cut in line. I'm going to give you a makeup course. This is what Paul says God did to him. I want you to look at Galatians 1, 11 through 24. I know this is a lot of scripture, but you need to listen to it. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel that I preach of me is not after man. For neither did I receive it of man. Don't miss this. I was taught it. Not by man, but I was taught it by revelation of Jesus Christ. For you've heard of my conversations in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above all my equals in my own nation, be mooring exceedingly zealous of all my father's traditions. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son, his flesh in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. I didn't talk to man, neither when I went up to Jerusalem. I didn't seek counsel there in Jerusalem. I didn't talk to the apostles, but I went into Arabian desert. I went into a desert and returned to Damascus. And then after three years, it was actually three and a half years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him for 15 days. But the other disciples, I saw none of them, save James, the brother of the Lord. Now, the things that I write unto you, behold, before God, I, I'm not lying to you what happened. Afterward, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and it was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea. I was unknown to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. They had only heard about me, which persecuted us in times past. Now he's a preacher that once destroyed us, and they glorified God in me. You know what he's saying? The things that I've learned, man didn't teach it to me, but God took me into an Arabian desert for three and a half years. I submit to you a question. How long was Jesus Christ's ministry here on this earth? How long was Saul blinded? God is catching him up. God is catching him up. And he's reliving all of this. And God is catching him up in him up in time the things that he has missed because he missed three and a half years of the ministry of jesus he missed his crucifixion he missed the resurrection that's why watch me listen to this because we're fixing to go into this that's why paul begins to quote things about partaking we're fixing to partake of in just a moment and that's the lord's table we're fixing to take communion what's communion common union We're fixing to go into union with God. Do you know where the instructions come from about taking the Lord's table? It comes from the Apostle Paul. I asked you a question on the night. They took, partook of the Lord's table in the upper room. Was the Apostle Paul there in the upper room? So how did he know so much about it?
How did he know what to write? I'll tell you what happened. Kairos happened. God picked him up out of chronological time and took him back to the upper room. And though he was not sitting there physically, he was in that room in the spirit and he heard every word that they were saying. He saw every action that was taking place. God allowed him in a vision to see every bit of that that took place so he could write about it in graphic details. I'm trying to encourage somebody tonight, somebody that feels like you have missed out That God has the ability to pick you up and catch you up and put you at par and put you where you need to be at. That's why Paul begins to quote things about partaking of not just in the moment called the Lord's table where we take communion. Do you know where he got the instruction from? From Paul. We got it from Paul. When Jesus gave the instruction to Paul, he wasn't even there. He was Saul on the wrong side of the law when that happened. But in 1 Corinthians 11 and 23, this is what he said. I have, watch this. I have received, <laughs> I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. And you could just as well put a semicolon there. And then he goes into the story that the Lord Jesus, the same night which he was betrayed, took bread. How is he writing about this? He was not even there. I'm telling you, he was there. He was there in an Arabian desert for three and a half years. And during that three and a half years, the Lord was catching him up. <clears throat> some in this building are missing this right now, but some of you are catching this. What's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on. Peter was in the upper room that night. John was the beloved, the beloved disciple. He was in the upper room that night. Matthew was in the upper room that night. Judas Iscariot was in the upper room. Paul wasn't there. But who wrote about it? And in this makeup course of Kairos, God took him through every experience that the others had encountered to catch him up to speed so he could say, I can tell you this, I wasn't there, but I was. Because he took me in the spirit and he showed me and I saw him crucified. Watch this, Hebrews 9, this caught me today. The Holy Ghost, this signifying Hebrews 9, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. Yet while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, there was a figure for time then present 
which were offered both gifts and sacrifices and could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meat and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God? Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by the means of death for the redemption of the transgression that were under the First Testament, which were called, might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where there is a test, where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For if the, te that, listen to me, listen to me. Let me give you a little revelation here. That's why the doctrine of the thief on the cross is valid, not under the new covenant, but it's valid under the old covenant. What happened to the man on the right side of the cross? This day you shall be with me in paradise. He went with God to paradise. That's exactly what happened to him. But that's not the new covenant. You know why? Because the testator hadn't died yet. And until the testator is dead, you can't read the will. Who read the will? Simon Peter read the will on the day of Pentecost. What's the will say? Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's, 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 the, that's the New Testament will. That's how it wills. Reads. So how does he know this? The Lord is showing him the crucifixion. How does he know what's happening in the upper room? I was in the room that night. He instructed them on the Lord's table, not physically, but I was taken there. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that also which I have received. So you, you, you know, so you, do you mean, Paul, he took me out of chronological time and he placed me and inserted me into Kairos, God's time. Let me ask you a question and I'm going to close here. Does anybody in this room feel like that you have wasted years come on hold your hand up does anybody in this room feel like you've wasted time does anybody in this room feel like you've lost opportunities does anybody feel like that you are behind? Does anybody feel like life's circumstances took you the wrong way? I told you I had some bad news, and I told you I had some good news. Let me give you the bad news first. Some of you are way behind. But let me give you the good news. God's about to catch you up. 
2020, he's going to catch you up. There is a new season coming to POWH and you're not going to miss your season. You're behind. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's a bad relationship. Maybe it's a bad decision. I don't know what took you away. Can I get in your face for just a minute? It's Watts night. This is the State of the Union address. I love this church with everything that's within me. I weep and I cry over this church. I weep and cry over this people. It hurts me when I watch people make bad choices. What can you do to stop them? But I'm going to be honest with you. There are some of you in this room right now that are so spiritually dead. I'm not your judge. But if Jesus is not Lord in your life, you and I both know that. If he was Lord of your life, you wouldn't treat his servant as your preacher and not your pastor. Some of you missed that. Because that, that's that new word called that they're trying to insert into the minds of our society today. They call it authoritarianism. We don't have to answer to nobody. And they want to call the preacher Bill and Bob and John and Ted and Mark. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be ugly. They want to set him on a stool, put him in a pair of blue jeans, got holes all in them. Dress him down. And a lot of people think that's funny, but I don't think it's a bit funny. You know why? I think the Lord deserves my best. Well, how are we going to reach the masses if we don't relate to them? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm not trying to dress like the world, look like the world, act like the world, do what the world's doing. I'm here to preach the gospel and that's all. And I believe I need to give God my very best. If the very best I have is a holy pair of blue jeans, then I'm going to wear my holy blue jeans. But if I've got better than that, I'm going to wear better than that. Let me ask you a question. Is there anything wrong with our ushers looking as sharp as they look right now? 
Anything wrong with that? Okay. Church, if you were, if Jesus was Lord, church would not be a boring exercise. I told you last week, you need to come back and do something more exceeding every week. And not only do you not understand half of what we do or why we do it, but you can't wait till we get out of here. And that's because your spirit man is not alive. Because when your spirit is alive, you hang on to every word that is preached from this pulpit. And the Bible becomes a way of life. I understand that because you're a soul man. And you're living on feelings, you're living on emotions, and you're driven by desire, you're driven by lust, and not by purpose, and not by direction. But I'm challenging you now, and I'm challenging you to cry out to God and say, God, I'm tired of trudging along in chronological time. I'm so far behind your will and my purpose for my life. I don't even know if I can catch up. And the good news is this, is God can touch you in a moment and bring you right up to where he wants you to be in his will and insert you therein in Kairos time and catch you up to speed as if you never stepped out of line. Make your mind up. Make up the time for you bring you into that place in his kingdom come on i wish somebody would say this after me his hand is on me his hand is on me and his purpose for 2020 is to do for us what he did for paul we're no different than Paul. He loves you and me no less than he loved the Apostle Paul. His purpose may be different, but he loves you and me no less than what he loved the Apostle Paul. We're no different than the Apostle Paul. And if he can catch the Apostle Paul up to time, he can catch you up to time. That's all I've got to say tonight. I've got a lot more to write here. I, I, I was going to tell you, I was going to take you to the book of Joel and give you the greatest prophecy in the book of Joel. You, you remember the one about the pommel worm and the canker worm and the caterpillar and the locust? Remember that? You know what I, you, I, Sister Rosie, I got to studying about that, and you know what I found out? It's the same bug. It's just four different stages of that same bug. One of those stages strips the leaf. That's the photosynthesis that takes the sunlight in, converts it into energy. One of them takes the leaves away. One of them takes the bark away. One of them meets at the root system. One bug, four different manifestations. You know what the promise of God is? I'm going to restore 
the years. It's strange. The Holy Ghost is going to put you in Kairos time in 2020. And those years that you lost, that the devil said you would never regain, God's going to take you like he did the Apostle Paul. And he's going to take you into a place and he's going to insert you right into chronological time where he wants you to be at and he's going to catch you up to par and speed as if you never missed a beat. want to just keep on operating in chronological time? Or is anybody ready to take a Kairos trip for the Lord in 2020? Can I tell you something? Can I tell you a secret? Only a few people in this room know what I'm talking about. This happened today while I was sitting in my office studying and tears were just rolling down my cheeks. I was asked to speak last year at the minister's gathering prayer before the camp meeting started. And I stood up before those that came to that prayer meeting. Some might have been here that was there that night. And I began to talk about this city. After it was over with, a minister that I highly esteem walked up to me, started prophesying to me, and he said, God has showed me that he is going to give you 10 men that are going to be loyal, that are going to be faithful, that are going to have your back covered at all times. They're going to be your armor bearers. And they're going to help carry that load. And I started counting. And I'm not too far from that mark right now. Today, Today, I was sitting at my desk. My phone rings. I won't call his name, but he's watching the broadcast right now. Matter of fact, I got two friends that are watching the broadcast. 
He said, um, it's been 20 years, but you've always been my pastor. You always will be my pastor. And when I say this part, the fosters are going to know who I'm talking about. I've been discharged from the military. I've got my degree. I've been offered a position in Houston as a CFO of a company. I want to come back home, Pastor. I said, send me the application. I'll sign it. He said, I want nothing more than to be a servant. And I started weeping and I started crying because that makes number eight out of the ten that God promised he was going to make up. God reached back 20 years and brought somebody back into my life that I have not heard from in 20 years. How he found me, I don't know. Other than he got a hold of the church the other day and talked to Brother Tuluxin. I can minister to some of you right now because the Holy Ghost is talking to me about several of you right now. But we've got a lot to do. We're fixing to take of the Lord's Supper. But I'm wondering if there's anybody that feels like there's some things in your life that you want God to catch you up to speed on. Would you be man and would you be woman enough to get up from your seat? And this is part of the part of the, the Lord's Supper that we need to partake in too because the Bible said, let a man examine himself. If you want God to catch you up on some things that you've missed out on, ministries that the devil said you'll never regain, things and opportunities that you let bypass you that you never thought you could get access to again, God says, I'm not going to catch you up in chronological time. I'm going to catch you up in Kairos time. Robert Bain, can you see the Lord for three and a half years in that Arabian desert waking Paul up every day and said, let's go to school, boy. I'm going to show you something. Every day of my ministry that you missed, I'm going to let you relive it. Don't you let the devil tell you it's too late.
Paul, I told somebody this the other day. Moses was 80 years old when he started his ministry. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Don't you sit back and let the devil convince you that you can't take charge of a care group. You can't be a part of a care group. You can. And it could be that one person in that care group that God has chosen you. And that may be the only act that's ever recorded in Holy Writ that you actually partook of. But that one person could be an Apostle Paul that you reached. It happened with Ananias. It can happen with you. I love what you said Sunday morning. That man was ready to pack it all up, leave town, get out of there. And the Lord said, I didn't call you to that town. I called you to reach those people right there. If you feel like God can catch you up in time, why don't you stand to your feet? Now in faith, I want you to raise your hands and I want you to say this out loud. It's my season to be blessed. Feel it. Feel it. It's my season to be blessed. time is going to take place. God's going to catch you up. God's going to bring you up to where you need to be. You don't need to sit back and weep and mourn and grieve over what you've missed. God is fixing to pick you up and insert you where you need to be inserted in his kingdom. Come on, somebody get happy, get happy, get happy, get happy. Get happy, get happy, get happy, get happy, get happy. Get happy, get happy, get happy, get happy, get happy, get happy. Can we sing it? It's your season to be blessed. If you believe it, walk out of your pew, walk on down here to the front and receive it. Now listen, listen, this is what I really want you to do. I know you're down here and you're so sweet, you're so precious. But there's really a lot more that needs to take place than us just walking down here and standing. I want you to lift your hands in the air and this is what I want you to do. I don't care what you feel like you've missed out on. I don't care how far you feel like you've walked away from God. Tonight, 
Listen to what I'm telling you. Listen to what I'm telling you. Three weeks ago, on a Wednesday night, I conferred it with him yesterday. Brother Labor preached in this church three weeks ago on a Wednesday night. He prophesied to this church on December the 31st at 12 a.m. when the clock strikes and starts January 1st, 2020, there is going to be a switch that's going to happen. And I think I plugged in and I called him about it. He said, man, oh man, oh man, oh man. I think I plugged into what the Lord was saying through him. And I'm not even sure he was understanding what the Lord was saying. Sometimes you don't when the Lord is speaking. But I think I plugged into what the Lord was saying. God is fixing to take some of you in Kairos time in 2020. Now, I don't want you to weep. I don't want you to mourn. I don't want you to beg. I don't want you to do anything. I want you to praise God. It's your season to be blessed. It's your season. Thank you for listening. To find out more about our church, visit POWH.org.